Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I am your host, Tony Fry. Thank you for downloading once again. A little bit of housekeeping before we get to today's song. Um, we're doing we're we're closing in on a hundred episodes. This is episode number 92. Uh, and I'm thrilled with all the people that are listening and writing and reviewing and um reaching out to me saying that they're enjoying it and that they're listening regularly. Thank you for doing that. It's it's really cool that people are enjoying this. Um, as we get to episode 100, I want to do a big push to get this podcast um, into the top 10 on musical commentary. Uh, in our That's our category on iTunes. I th- we've cracked the top 20 a few times. I want to get us into the top 10 going into um, episode 100. And here's how you can help. All you need to do is... Copy the link to this episode on from whatever platform you listen to it. Go to your social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, and uh, share that and tag Hero Habit um, in your message. So be like, take a listen to Kinks and Beats Daily from at Hero Habit. Uh, it's the same tag on every social media, at Hero Habit, all one word, no spaces. Um, do that this week for me leading up to episode 100 and um, we have a little prize package that we're going to give to one person who uh, tags us and we'll just pick them at random. So make sure you tag at hero habit and share a link to the show, um, you, whatever, but we're going to try to get up to the top hundred or the top 10 by episode 100. And also you can swing by iTunes and leave us a rating and a review and that will help. Um, bump up the numbers too. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please do that. Uh, Also, make sure you swing by Hero Habit. We do have a community there. Uh, It's brand new. We're trying to get some people in there and get some conversations started and and get away from all the drama and nonsense that um, sometimes follows our Facebook and Twitter. We're just going to talk about things we enjoy. And we're going to leave all the other stuff um, to the other social networks. And lastly, if you would like to help us keep the lights on here um, and and feel like contributing, we do have a way for you to do that by subscribing to uh, Kinks and Beats support through Hero Habits store. Um, you can just donate $4 a month and that will keep the lights on and keep us ad free. And as a special thank you, we've got two bonus episodes coming up. We've got the um, uh, Mars Picks episode which will be distributed to those subscribers first um, before it's made put on the public uh, feed. And then we also have a Kinks album episode, much like the Abbey Road one we did for the Beatles. Um, I've got a special guest coming in to chat about uh, a Kinks album, and I'm not going to tell you which one yet, but I think it'll be a good episode. So you can swing by herohabit.com. On the podcast page for Kinks and Beats, there's all the information you need if you would like to contribute 20 cents an episode to help us keep everything free uh, of ads. All right. Today, we are talking about one of my all-time favorite songs by anybody ever in the history of music. The song is Something by the Beatles, written by George Harrison. It was released September 26, 1969 on their album Abbey Road, and then a little bit later, uh, October 6, 1969, as a double A-side single with Come Together. This marked 
a couple things. It was the first time an English um, single had been released using songs that were already on the album. The Beatles had never done that before in, in, in England. They did it all. It happened all the time in America because of the way the record companies um, chopped everything up. But this is the first time that the Beatles released a single from album tracks. And it's also the first time that George appears on the A-side. Um, I remember hearing this song. I, I got into the Beatles in high school, probably eighth grade, somewhere in there. And I remember going to a party at a friend's house in high school and their dad had an incredible, um, sound system. And this is, you know, mid nineties when everybody still had sound systems in their house. But he had this incredible sound system with these great speakers. And I don't know if we were listening on CD or vinyl. I don't know what the medium was. But I do know that Abbey Road was playing. Um, because you got to remember, at this time, the Beatles anthology had just come out. The Beatles kind of had a resurgence um, in my generation in, in high school. Uh, everybody was listening to the Beatles at that time. It, 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 they were just as popular as any of the other bands that were, you know, contemporary for the mid nineties, mid to late nineties. So we're listening to Abbey road at this party and I hear something and they get to that descending, um, line in the bridge. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Bum, 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 that line there. And he had it turned up kind of loud and on this high def, you know, sound system, I just remember being amazed at the depth of that descending line. And, you know, you hear it, you've heard it a thousand times. It's one of the most famous songs ever written. But to hear it in in that kind of sound quality with the full string section and the guitars and the piano and the organ and Ringo's drums and the thumping bass, having all of it. You know, there's a lot of instrumentation going on there. And we can do the math. Uh, 16, 20, 21. There's about 25, 26 different instruments playing it. Some of them playing it, you know, in octaves, like the piano's playing in octaves. Uh, I, I think the organ probably is too. So there's that line being played by nearly 30 different instruments and in different timbers and and all that kind of stuff it's a very layered uh and deeply layered little passage that is just a throwaway line that they just used to to bring the chords back to where they needed to be but it's it's and i remember being struck by that you know at 15 16 17 years old however old i was at this party um at just how incredible the sound of this recording is and the 2019 remix in my book, something is, is a a standout. It's beautiful. They include just the string, the orchestral uh, section as a bonus track that is stunning. And that brings me to another point is that something is one of those songs. And, you know, I love music. I live it. I breathe it. It's what I do for a living. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional musician in Northern California and I teach music and I do this and I write about it, you know, and I listen to it constantly. And there are only a handful of songs that really stick you um, 
stick me right in, you know, in an emotional place. And I don't know what, I don't have any real um, personal connection to this song. This it's, it's not, it's just another Beatles song, maybe one of my favorite Beatles songs, but there's no, there's no personal story that goes along with it beyond. I really had a new appreciation for it at a party once. But when you listen to it from the opening guitar line to actually from Ringo's just drum fill intro to that opening guitar line to Paul's bass work to George's gorgeous vocal to his guitar solo to the way the melody is constructed, everything about this. uh, If I sit and listen with my eyes closed, it really just it makes some emotions swell in you. And it's... uh, uh, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just a, it's another perfect song. We've been talking a lot about perfect songs lately and it took a long time to get right. Um, George wrote it probably in sometime late 68 and on February 25th, 1969, which was his 26th birthday, 26 years old. And the dude has written something and here comes the sun. And while my guitar gently weeps at 26 jerk but anyway he goes into the studio and records a demo with a guitar and piano uh the demo was released eventually on a, on the anthology and then on the abbey wood but it was edited they they stripped the piano part out of it on the abbey road super deluxe happy time fun box um from last year it's the it's it's how george recorded the demo uh, with some piano on it as well. And an extra verse, which is really a second bridge, except that it's over the same um, chord structure as the regular verse. In- instead of a guitar solo break, he has this counterpoint melody that he sings over, which is cool. I'm glad they cut it in favor of the guitar solo, but um, but there is it, it functions as a second bridge. Um in a way. So that's February 25th. Then you flash forward all the way to April 16th and the band does 13 takes of the song. Uh, George Martin is playing piano on it. Uh, John is at the sessions, but doesn't participate for whatever reason. And these 13 takes are strictly instrumental. George doesn't record any vocals, nothing like that. It's strictly instrumental. So now we've gone February to April. We, blow through the rest of April and jump to May 2nd and they, they start from scratch, begin it again. Um, on May 2nd, now Billy Preston's in the studio playing Hammond organ. And, uh, it's a totally new set of takes. And the song closes with an extended coda, kind of a jam. Um, you know, like, uh, uh, how, uh, dig it, was just a, a jam that kind of repeated over one short little motif. That's what they're doing here. It's uh, clocking in at almost eight minutes long. So if you can imagine something ending, they you get the big da 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 dum dum dum, and they hold it for a minute, you know, you know, a few seconds, and then it goes into this jam, which shifts kind of into like a three, four, or six, eight time, uh, with a piano riff played by John. And they jam on that for nearly five minutes. <clears throat> Obviously, it gets cut. You you never heard it on a record. I kind of wish they would have put it on the Beatles 
the the new box set. That would have been something cool. There's there's like a guitar solo for Here Comes the Sun that didn't get put on that box. This extended eight minute something could have been put on the box. I don't know why they decide what to cut and what to you know to do. But I would have liked to have heard this. Um, it's uh, I've never heard a heard a good bootleg version. I'm sure there's some out there. I don't really um, come across bootlegs very often or go searching for them. I'm sure there's a good one, but the only ones I've heard have been pretty lousy sound quality. So it would have been cool to hear it in better quality. It's not a great jam. It's a cool little piano riff. John would basically use that riff um, on, on his Plastic Ono Band song, Remember. Uh, it's very similar to that, just quicker. But uh, it's not a great jam, but it could have been fleshed out into something cool. I don't like it at the end of something, but as a transition piece or as part of the suite on side B, there there might have been room for it on the album in some capacity. But uh, having an eight-minute something and then having I Want You, She's So Heavy a couple tracks later, it's a lot of long songs for one album. So that's May 2nd. A few days later, May 5th, um, Paul goes back and does a new bass line and George re-records the guitar part that's played through a Leslie speaker. That's that wobbly guitar part that you hear uh, as a rhythm guitar track. He goes and re-records that on May 5th. Now we go through all of May. We go through all of June. We're a week into July. July 11th, 1969, George goes in and records a new lead vocal. They do a rough stereo mix. they cut the song down from 748 to 532. So it's still a long song. It's still two and a half minutes longer than it will be released. So this jam, even at this late point, this is, you know, over two months later, even at this late point, this they're still considering using this extended coda. Five days after that, George goes in, records another new lead vocal. And Paul does his backing vocal, and then Paul, George, and Ringo do the hand claps. All right, so now we're at July. We go through the rest of July, halfway through August, August 15th, 1969. They do the string overdubs. There are 12 violins, four violas, four cellos, and a string bass. And George records um, his, his guitar solo during this session as well. The guitar solo is a re record. He's pretty much re-recording the same solo that he did before but this is the one we hear on the album so from february 25th to august 15th that's how long it took to get this song from demo to completion Um, and then you got to realize it's august 15th they're doing the string overdubs the album is out five weeks later september 26th so this song has spanned um, the entire, I, I mean, it's gone on for, it's hung over their heads for the entirety of the recording process for Abbey Road. John, Paul, and Ringo all love it. Um, Paul uh, says that it's one of the best songs on the album. John says it's the best song on the album. Uh, it's the second most covered Beatles song of all time behind yesterday. And uh, Frank Sinatra called it the greatest Lennon and McCartney song ever recorded. 
he fixed that later. He got the credits right eventually. But later, uh, George would kind of make fun of that later on his Dark Horse album. Um, on the song, I think it was Far East Man, where he in the intro, in the instrumental intro, he says something about we love you, Frankie, and maybe we'll hear you play this one at Caesars or something. I don't remember exactly what he says, but he makes fun of it. So harmonically, it's pretty simple to begin with. Um, it's in the key of C. The riff starts on an F, so we've got the uh, the sextuplet sixteenth notes in the drums. Da 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 da, boom. Another instance, like in my life, where the simple little guitar passage is basically you know, a a main hook and as important as the vocal. In this case, I saw this argued online and I agree with it. That line functions as the chorus, the way it's used. It's, it's a, a small little lick, but it's, it's the chorus of the song. Um, it's an F chord to an E flat chord to a G chord to a C chord. Excuse me. And what that does is it gives you um, chromatic movement. Going up, but then you've also got. This descending line. That's really cool. So you've got contrary motion going on here within the harmony of the song. Then it's just straight into C. A C major seven. So that's taking the root and going down a half step. So you've got a B natural there. A regular C seven, which is another half step lower. And then we go to an F. So the C7, on top of it just being chromatic movement down from the C chord, <clears throat> is also a 5 of 4. All right? We've talked about these secondary dominants before. And the next chord he hits is an F chord, which is 4. So he's essentially changing keys here with this chromatic movement. So we've got C, C major 7, C7, F. D7, uh, which is a 5 of 5 in the key of C, and then G, which is a 5. So he's he's going 5 of something and then resolving to that. But he's staying, he keeps resolving to chords within C. So he's doing a 5 of 4 to 4, and then a 5 of 5 to 5. So he's not really changing keys, he's just borrowing these chords. Um, so that's the G and then he slides up to A minor which is the relative minor to C and then A minor uh, A minor major 7 you can wrap your head around that one then an A minor 7 then a D9 and then back to the riff And then for the bridge, he just takes that same riff, E flat, G, and then instead of resolving to the C, 
he resolves to an A chord. And the A chord has a C sharp in it. All right. But it also, it shares with um, the C chord, it shares an E natural. All right. So there's some common tone. But you, you've got now... this total shift in the A major, which is the um, it's really nothing, but you, you've gone from no flats and sharps to three sharps. Then on that A, C sharp minor with the G sharp in the bass F sharp minor E, A minor so you're still doing that uh, downward moment Um, he does that twice and then back into the home key. And then obviously he does that shift to a, as just a little break on the last, um, time he plays the riff, but that's it. Something in the way she moves attracts me like no other lover. Something in the way she woos me. I don't want to leave her now. You know I believe in her. You're asking me, will my love grow? I don't know. I don't know I don't know Now it's cool Listen to the drums on this one Ringo's drumming on Abbey Road in general Is I think the best drumming of his career But through the whole verse Every verse He's just doing Bass Snare, bass, snare, boom, chock, boom, boom, chock, boom. No subdivision on like with the ride or anything. But then when he gets to the guitar solo, which is the same form as the verses, all of a sudden he's doing a symbol uh, subdividing, which is cool. And, you know, a nice variation, and, and it really drives that solo forward. Um, but listen to his drumming. I guess it's possible that he's doing this all with one thing, with uh, in one take. He's hitting the bass drum on one, two, and three, four, and. And he's playing the sextuplet 16th notes. On the tom, and then playing hi hat sextuplets on beats two and four. So you go boom, it's possible he's doing it with one hand because this tempo is so not one hand in one take, 
because this tempo is so slow, those 16th note septuplets aren't crazy fast, but it would be my guess that the hi-hat was overdubbed later and that he's just doing the toms on one take. Um, and then the hi-hat overdub. And then you can't talk about something without talking about Paul's bass line. It is stunning. It is uh, perfect. It's a great counterpoint to the gentleness of this song to have this bass line going crazy underneath it and also highlights Ringo's ability to get out of the way, right? Because he's not stepping all over Paul's bass line on that. He's playing with it, and it's... It's really the band really leaving room for each player to do their thing. So it's something. It's a great song. If you have um, anything you'd like to add to it, give me a call at 925-494-1739. Let me know what you think about something. And um, like I said, Share this podcast all over your social media and make sure to tag at Hero Habit so that you can be entered to win our prize pack um, that might have some cool stuff in it that you'll enjoy. So with that, I say goodbye. Go listen to something and thank me in the morning. All right. Take care. I'll talk to you guys soon. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.